be people who would object to that and say, well, I prefer to be alone. In fact, I could probably survive all alone on a deserted island longer than Tom Hanks in Castaway, and I wouldn't even need to befriend a volleyball. But people who think like that are the exception. In fact, you got to wonder about people who talk like that, whether they're one neuron short of a synapse. God actually created human beings to interact. And because that's true, it's important for us to get along. You might be thinking, why is he talking about getting along with people? I thought a sermon is supposed to be about God. Well, think of this. If you extended an invitation to a friend to come to worship, what are the chances and how likely is it for that person to accept the invitation if you really didn't get along? And then think of this. It's one thing to invite a friend, but what about others? What about strangers? What about people with whom we don't necessarily get along? Don't you think that Jesus is concerned about their souls too? If we were able to get along with more people, wouldn't it be likely that the chances increase that they might be interested even just a little to hear and learn about the best news there could ever be, that they can have cover up for their past and comfort in the presence and confidence for their future, the good news about Jesus. Relationships provide the bridge for sharing the good news about Jesus. For that reason, it's important for us to do whatever we can to remove the speed bumps and barriers on the bridge. If we are not willing to make even a little effort to remove the barriers of our own prejudice and rudeness and thoughtlessness and insensitivity, how will people ever learn and believe in Jesus? It is important for us to get along because souls are at stake. And that's why we turn to our Savior God with the plea today, Lord, I just want to get along. And the Lord Jesus himself responds to that plea in today's gospel from Mark chapter 9. He responds, if you want to get along, then be patient, giving, careful, and salty. How, how long has it been since we ordered the salad? Do you think the server forgot that we're here? It's hard to be patient when you're at a nice restaurant, and especially if you're hungry. The service manager promised my car would be ready at noon. It's 1.30. I got a meeting at 2 o'clock. It's hard to be patient when the clock is ticking. The doctor will be with you shortly. Right. It's hard to be patient when promises are made 
and it seems as though they're not kept at least on your schedule and you're wearing one of those hospital gowns that you couldn't quite tie in the back. It's hard to learn patience. But what about those times when we're thinking about and involved in carrying out God's work? The Savior's great commission to share his love and message of love with other people. And then we see that there are other people who are doing that, but not in the way that we would do it. Is that okay? That was the question that was on the mind of the Apostle John. And he heard the answer in, in a response from Jesus himself. John and the other members of the Twelve had begun to think of themselves as an exclusive club. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Don't take Jesus' words out of context. He's not saying, oh, a little false doctrine is okay. He's not saying, ignore the truth of God's word. No, what he's saying is this. If there are other people who are proclaiming the truth of what the Bible really says, but they're doing in a way, doing it in a way different from the way we would do it, so be it. I witnessed an illustration of this at a seminar one time. Missionaries from around the globe had gathered at a retreat center, and in the discussion, the topic came up, what is the best way to reach people from other cultures who have moved to America? Is it better to get into that community, meet a few people, and then build a church and invite the people to come to the church, or would it be better to get into the community, get to know some people, and then identify some of their leaders and raise them up so they could work with the people of their own culture and determine whether they wanted to build a church or not? Which is the better way? The answer? It depends. If missionaries from around the globe and missionaries in America can't agree on the best way to go about bringing the good news of Jesus to people of other cultures in this country, then they need to be patient with each other and perhaps try both strategies because Jesus said, whoever is not against us is for us. If patience is the key in determining how we reach out with the message of God's love to people from other cultures, then certainly it is essential if we are going to begin a relationship with someone so that we can eventually share with them what Jesus did. But how do we get over our impatience? We go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, I just want to get along. Forgive my impatience. And he does. And that's the pump. His forgiveness is the pump that fills our hearts with patience so that we can get along. If you're patient with people, you can begin to build a connection, a relationship. But what is it that is the best thing to solidify and make relationships stronger? The answer, giving. And I don't mean giving in order to win favor with somebody 
but giving that expects no response and no return. Doesn't even have to be big. Here's what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. The reward Jesus is talking about doesn't come from the person who receives your gift, but from the ultimate giver, who's already given to us the ultimate reward of a position with him in love and in heaven forever. It works like this. You will not run out of little Snickers candy bars to hand to trick-or-treaters if you've got a dump truck full of little Snickers candy bars parked in your backyard. And you will not run out of water to hand to thirsty mountain climbers and hikers if you're living next to a bubbling pure mountain stream. And you will not run out of gifts of love to give to people so you can solidify a relationship if a dump truck of Jesus' love is parked in the backyard of your mind. And if there's a never-ending bubbling stream of Jesus' love coming from your heart. So how can we become more giving when selfishness is programmed into our DNA and it feeds our natural instincts to keep our grubby fingers holding tightly to all of our own stuff? How do we get to be more giving? We pray, Lord, I just want to get along. Forgive my selfishness and lack of giving. And he does. That's the pump. His forgiveness is the pump that fills our hearts with the attitude and spirit of giving so that we can get along. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Right. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a rude comment or a negative critical statement? If you have, you know that stinging words can stick with you. If I asked you right now to list the three nastiest criticisms you have ever heard from someone and to also list who said it, your chemistry teacher or your coach or your ex-boyfriend. And if I asked you to make a list of those, I'll bet you could not only list the negative comment, the person who said it, the day when it happened, the room where it was, and the color of the paint on the walls. Because if our words are not careful, they can do a lot of damage in ruining a relationship. If this is serious business, and it is, then what do you think God feels about words that are used that ruin and hurt someone's faith? Uh-oh, you better stand back. Jesus hauls out and fires both barrels, and he's not afraid to even use some exaggeration to get his point across. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. 
It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Whoa. Makes you wonder if maybe we ought to be walking around on eggshells when we deal with and try to get along with other people. How in all the world will we be able to be more careful so that what we say doesn't wreck our relationship with somebody else or ruin their relationship with God? What we do is we go to our God and pray, Lord, I just want to get along. Forgive my carelessness. And he does. The Heavenly Father sent his Son into the world who was careful to keep every single one of God's commands and then credited his care to your account and mine. That's the pump. Crediting of his love to us is the pump that fills our hearts with care, the ability and desire to care for others so that we get along. Ask a little kid sometime, what's the purpose for salt? And she'll tell you, popcorn, or McDonald's fries, or something like that. And ask somebody who's recovering from heart surgery what the food tastes like with no salt anymore in the diet. He'll tell you, blech. Salt, when used in moderation, is a source of delight and joy as a seasoning for food. But in the ancient days, salt wasn't just a seasoning. In the days before deep freezers, it also served as a preservative. But way back in Jesus' day, centuries ago, there was a bit of a problem once in a while with salt, especially if it had been extracted from the lagoons and the marshes around the Dead Sea. Once in a while, it could get mixed in with another chemical like calcium sulfate, and then the salt would be stale and yucky and unusable. Unusable. And then there were always some crooked salesman who tried to sell salt that was not pure and you couldn't use it. That's why Jesus said, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Like a little pinch of salt, add joy and delight to the lives of other people in your relationship with them. And like pure salt, work at preserving consistency and faithfulness in your relationship with them. But how in all the world can we bring joy to the lives of other people when we're not so joyful ourselves? We go to our Father and we pray, Lord, I just want to get along. And so what I'm going to do, dear God, dear Savior God, is I'm going to plop my sadness and my setbacks my lousy attitude and my loneliness, my griping and my groaning, I'm going to plop all that right at the foot of your cross. And Jesus says, good, that's where it should be. That's why I've got holes in my hands and my feet and my side so my blood can run all over that. And then you can rejoice that God doesn't count your sins against you. That's the pump. His blood is the pump that fills our hearts with joy so that we can get along. And how can we be more consistent in our relationships when too often we take our friends on the roller coaster ride of our fickle friendship? We pray to our Savior, God, Lord, 
I just want to get along. Forgive my unfaithfulness and inconsistency. And he does. Every night when you close your eyes, every morning when you wake them up, he comes to you with the promise, I am faithful to you. No matter how much a mess you've made in your life, no matter how many messes go on in your life, I am faithful and will love you. And that's the pump. His faithful love is the pump that fills us with consistency and faithfulness so that we get along. Jesus' words for us today from Mark's Gospel in chapter 9 are very practical, wouldn't you say? He shows us how we can build relationships and build them stronger and better. But the words of the Lord Jesus aren't just instructive in giving us direction. He also empowers us by sending the Holy Spirit every time we remember our baptism. In a worship service, we get to witness of baptism once in a while and quite often here at Grace, or we read that it's going to happen in a later service, and we're reminded of our baptism that gave us the status of being in the family of God. He empowers us with the Holy Spirit every time we hear and think and learn about his words and worship and our Bible study, personal devotional life, and he empowers us with the Holy Spirit in his special Holy Supper when he extends from heaven his arms to wrap us in his love and lift up our arms to be extended in faithful love to others. And that is the well to which the pump is connected. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. Drink deeply from that well. Drink often from that well. And then the barriers of our prejudice and rudeness and thoughtfulness and insensitivity will be removed so that more and more people will know and believe in Jesus. Amen. And please stand.